careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. Okay, let's do this. Thanks for spending some time with us for another episode of Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Coming up in a few minutes, Lou Graham of Foreigner enlightens us with how a simple drum beat evolved into lyrics for one of their biggest hits. I started hitting that, that bass drum pedal to, to put this solid beat in there. And, and uh, the words started coming to me. Before we get to Lou, Margot Timmons of the Cowboy Junkies recalls some memorable experiences that came to be due to their song, Sweet Jane. Cue the guitars. There you go. Um, Sweet Jane. Well, I guess Sweet Jane is the song that most people connect with uh, the Trinity Session album. And certainly it, um, it did its job. <laughs> It got us a lot of attention, and I owe my house to it, so thank you. Um, the funny thing is, is that Sweet Jane wasn't um, meant to be on Trinity Session. We'd been working on it for our first album, White Off Earth Now, and uh, we were a young band in those days. White Off Earth Now came out in 84 or something like that, and we weren't all that skilled <laughs> uh, with our with what we did, especially my brother Pete, he was a, a new drummer. Um, so if you listen to White Off Earth now, it, it's just this, he keeps the same beat, he doesn't do any changes. And so when we were working on Sweet Jane, that change from uh, the first part to the heavenly wine and roses, especially the stop, we could never get it, we never would stop at the same time. <laughs> so uh, we didn't put it on White Off Earth now because we just, we couldn't get it. We just, we were off time and um, it's just a good thing. So we toured White Off Earth now for a couple of years and we finally got that stop. So when it came time to record Trinity Session, we had that, we had it down. Um, so I always think it's funny because I wonder what would have happened if Sweet Jane had made it to the White Soft Earth Now album. Anyway, um, we had a lot of success. We, we, we did a lot of late night TV shows. We did Johnny Carson when Johnny was still on it, which was bizarre. <laughs> um, you know, backstage in those days, he had a full bar. Everybody was drunk. And they go on TV drunk and have a good time. And we were these Canadians sort of <laughs> wide-eyed, wondering what's going on. Um, and we got on uh, Saturday Night Live, which was an amazing time. We grew up watching Saturday Night Live, so for us to be one of the bands on Saturday Night Live... And, and Saturday Night Live in those days was... You know, before video and, and all that, it was the place you would see your favorite bands live. Um, so for us to get on it was so uh, incredible. Uh, I remember at that time uh, they had three supermodels were on the show with us. It was Beverly Johnson, Cheryl Tiggs, and I can't remember the other, but they were giant, beautiful women. <laughs> Again, we were like these Canadians wondering, <laughs> what are we doing in this world? But, uh, yeah, so, it, so Sweet Jane was just one of those 
songs that took us to a lot of places that we thought we would never get to. But the greatest thing about Sweet Jane was it allowed us to meet Lou Reed. And meeting Lou Reed was probably the highlight of my career. Um, even to this day, and I've met a lot of rock stars. But Lou Reed, um, he was the guy that gave us music, gave me my, well, as people say, the soundtrack to your life. And so to meet him and for him to like our song was the best. Sweet Jane from the Cowboy Junkies on Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. I'm your host, Stu Jeffries. If you can hold on a few more minutes, Lou Graham is ready to educate us on how Jukebox Hero came to be. But before that, lead singer bassist from Platinum Blonde, Mark Holmes, tells us how the idea of living in the moment helped them achieve the success they were hoping for. So sending the dark. I'd seen this movie called Threads. I don't know if they had it over here, but I was in, in back home at the time because my family lived there. And uh, I was there quite a bit through the 80s, obviously. But um, in Threads, it was this horrific view of a post-apocalyptic world. I mean, the bombs had actually gone off. The fear that we, we had was realized in this film. Uh, nuclear fallout, there was literally, you, you were completely screwed. Um, I, I do recommend anybody watching this movie, Threads, it was, I think it was, it, it, was a, it was a BBC film and it was a really long one, it could have, could have gone over t t two nights, it, it might have been like a t uh, two hours one night and two hours the next night. And as these people trying to find their way through and survive after everything had been destroyed, it was so realistic. What was interesting about it is, is the nuclear fallout, right? So a couple of next day, a couple of days after that, I was in Toronto rec to, to record this. Well, not particularly this song, but I was I still in, engaged in writing the lyrics. And um, it was winter time. I looked outside, and lo and behold, all the snow was falling. And I tell you, man, the feeling that went through my body of absolute dread. So I thought, wow. What can you do if you can't do anything about something? Well, you can write a song about it. You can rage against the rage against it and just rage against the dying of the light, really. And back then, we all really thought that at any moment we're done for. So you had so much life to live, so much excitement, and just get get on with life. And um, that's where the whole idea of Sunny in the Dark came out of. Um, it was... It was interesting the way we put our music together too because we had our own style of... I played my bass in one way and I wrote guitar lines and for um, that, that would repeat themselves as the bass would, would change. And, 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 and so many bands these days have incorporated that into their music, and and, I've, and I'm really happy about that because if you could ask me 30 years ago, would you be excited that bands today are, are, are using your style and your, your style of music, and especially in indie rock, I'd be over the moon, right? Because that would be an amazing thing. You know, it's the longevity, it's people remembering what you did, and it sounds as fresh as the day it came out. And um, I didn't, none of us knew that at the time. I mean, we were kids. We, we were afraid of what we were afraid of. We mostly wanted to party, find girls, go to say party, and uh, and make music. So 
time of my life, man. It still is, by the way. From Platinum Blonde, there's Mark Holmes on Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. I am starstruck Stu Jeffries, beyond excited to share this next story with you. In the rock and roll game, there's a lot of acts that you admire simply because they have basically provided a soundtrack for your youth. Foreigner is one of those groups for me. And to have the Foreigner frontman stop by the studios to tell you about Jukebox Hero, you listen, and you listen closely. Here's Lou Graham. So, I'm a drummer. I was a drummer before I was a singer. And I remember uh, in, in uh, 1979 or 1980, uh, uh, having my drum set up in the basement, and uh, it was pouring rain that day, and I went down to, to practice my drums. And I started, I started hitting that, that bass drum pedal to, to put this solid beat in there. And, and uh, the words started coming to me, and, and I wasn't really singing, I was half talking it, half singing it. The standing in the rain with his head hung low, couldn't get a ticket, it was a sold out show. And, and, uh, and I recorded that. And, and, and then I did it again and added a little, little more to it. Heard the roar of the crowd. And, and, I, and I kept playing around with it and, and adding a little bit more and going back and changing it and doing it again. You know, you, you have to, when you're, when you're, when you're starting a song and, and you're not sure of where it's going to go, you, you kind of massage it a little bit uh, until, until you, you get it the way you think you, you want it and, and then, then move from there. And uh, I, I uh, in, in my escapades in the basement I never got to the the jukebox hero part but but uh, but uh, I, I did get that that whole build-up uh, you could picture the scene put his put his ear to the wall and like a distant scream he heard one guitar yeah uh, all, all that stuff I was I was uh, uh, working on in in my basement and and uh, finally I got a, um, a cassette version of it and uh, when when uh, when the band got together uh, uh, in New York, I took Mick aside and um, after rehearsals and and played that cassette idea for him and and uh, he kept listening to it over and over again and he liked it and uh, the next day we didn't have a rehearsal and and I believe Mick and I just got together and were working on this particular song and. Uh, he started. He started playing guitar to it, and and uh, we came up with the, the the chords for for the jukebox hero part, and uh, and the words, and and uh, it, it 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 developed from an idea in, into into a into a full-on song that that was. That, that was very moody and, and had an, a, an explosive chorus that, that um, we felt, uh, um, you know, that, that, that reached us musically and lyrically. And, and we, we had an idea that, that uh, there would be a, a lot of, a lot of uh, um, people, young kids and, and older people that, that that could I identify with that, and and uh, 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 e even in its roughest stage, when it was still just a 
just a scratchy demo, we, we, we knew in our hearts that we had something. And, and uh, a little at a time, we, we, uh, we massaged it and honed it, and um, it, it, it didn't take a long time. There's songs that just you work on over and over and over again till, till either you get them or you don't. But, but uh, we, we made, from the time I played Mick what I had of the song, and then, and then he, he started putting his ideas to it and we, we collaborated. It didn't take a long time at all until that song was finished. And that's another edition of Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. I'm Stu Jeffries with a huge thank you for listening. We got a pile of episodes for you to catch up on, so feel free to find some previous ones and give us a nice comment if you feel inclined. Thanks again. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Dan McIntosh, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.